Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, we can go ahead and get started uh, this morning. I appreciate everyone being here. My name is Tim Debus with the Reusable Packaging Association. When we see the word sustainability, it's likely we think about environmental protection, environmental conservation. Uh, there's a whole new side of sustainability that is rapidly developing and being a part of our business uh, decisions and operations. This includes the economic potential of sustainability, the social potential of sustainability. Uh, what I want to talk about today is really twofold. Uh, first is this changing view of sustainability. Uh, going well beyond the environmental aspects of uh, protecting the earth into areas of economics and other opportunities associated with more sustainable use uh, of our materials. Uh, the second is the focus on seven examples of the economic opportunity that's associated with reusable transport packaging systems as part of this transformational change that we're seeing that's occurring in parallel with this changing definition and the changing application of sustainability uh, in our business. So when you look at the definition of sustainability, it's kind of this classic notion that we want to you know, protect the earth and leave it into a better place than we have it today. It's the, we didn't inherit the earth from our ancestors, but we're merely borrowing it from our children philosophy. Uh, that we want to do things today that's going to preserve the, the health and, and the integrity of the earth for our future generations. Um, it's kind of changed a little bit to actually have some key components. Uh, one associated with economic prosperity, with social justice, but also governance. How companies are governing themselves to be able to execute on the sustainability promise. And that's transforming itself into actual objectives. Uh, the 17 uh, Sustainable Development Goals from the United Nations are a good example about how sustainability and development is going hand in hand in a variety of different aspects that's much larger than just environmental uh, protection. Uh, we're even seeing it evolve into business notions with the triple bottom line that John Elkington introduced 25 years ago that says we've got to look at business and financials with not just with economics, but also with the people and profit, the triple bottom line uh, that many people have looked to adopt within their business strategies. Well, how are we doing? The, the triple bottom line was introduced 25 years ago. Uh, in fact, 50 years ago, come April, was the first Earth Day that we've had. And in many aspects that we're not really gaining ground or gaining the progress that I think we all envisioned, certainly over the last half century, with the Earth Day and how we can celebrate uh, how we're protecting the Earth and how we're delivering on the environmental preservation. Uh, there's a lot of challenges and, you know, individually, there's a tremendous amount of information about the progress that we're not making associated with climate change and pollution, uh, problems with recycling and being able to recover and, and reuse our materials. Uh, you may recall the uh, Keep America Beautiful campaign. Uh, this was established actually in the 1950s. In fact, that famous ad that showed the is termed the crying Indian with the tear, it was all about litter. Well, that ad was introduced in 1971. So you can see that the progress that we're not making is catching up to us. And when you take these issues combined, it's really requiring us 
to have transformative change with how we're managing materials, how we're dealing with our business, to be able to protect the industry, protect the, the planet altogether, and the health of, of our people. And this is what I referred to earlier. In fact, two years ago, John Elkington actually wrote a column that he recalled the triple bottom line because he realized that it's not being implemented as designed. It wasn't creating a transformative change in cap, uh, capitalism. It was actually being used as more of a metric that companies were using as far as checking boxes of being able to approach the economics and the social and, and the environmental aspects of their activities. It really isn't really driving the systems change that was originally intended as part of that philosophy. So what do we mean by transformative change and what everybody's talking about? This slide really depicts the two views. You've got the reductionist view that really narrowly looks at the individual parts or components of a system and treats them separately as far as attacking problems and solving issues associated with individual parts of the supply chain, for example. That if we need to look at packaging as it carries products, we're gonna focus on that packaging and how it fits with the products. Conversely, you've got more of a systemic view, realizing that parts of a supply chain, for example, are all interconnected. And if you change one thing, it's gonna have an effect on another. But the notion is, is that the combination of these parts together creates this emergence, that there's behaviors and opportunities associated with the activity of parts working together that doesn't exist if individual parts occur alone. So it's an approach, it's a fundamental uh, strategy that companies are looking at for so long we've been looking at the reductionist view of I'm gonna take care of my business and pass it along through the supply chain and my role is ending. But the idea is that supply chains actually should be very connected as they are, hence the chain, but we don't act like that as far as how we're working with customers and vendors together on the whole system. And that's what's the transformative part of looking at sustainability. The example is going from a linear to a circular economy, and you're hearing a lot about the circular economy. The linear economic model basically is that straight system where you're taking raw materials, you're using them uh, in your production, distribution, ultimately using the, the product, and then the product becomes waste. And the objective then is to recover the raw materials into their natural constituent form to hopefully reuse those raw materials. And by the way, when we talk about the word reuse, we're referring to the product, not the raw material. The idea is that how can we extend the life and utility and value of that product, which is how we view the circular economy. If we're going to put the investment and we're gonna put the equity into the packaging unit, we should sustain that over long periods of time. Uh, and hence, that's why you don't see waste as part of the circular economy, is that you continue to use those products, and when they reach the point of its end of life, you have the ability to collect it, and then at that time, look at recycling to make actually the same product or something similar, that the value is extended to its maximum opportunity. One of the companies that I've seen has actually seized and, and taken hold of this transformative supply chain is Unilever. I have not seen other companies so boldly say that this is what we're doing. This is from their website. Uh, that they realize that really to get the, the true gains 
uh, of uh, the systemic change in, in their business models, in their operations, in their supply chains. We've got to think differently. We've got to think more strategically about how we're handling and working with materials. And it really becomes a transformative change at the system level, that we truly are engaged in systems and not this linear model that we've been acting on for so long. I want to provide two examples of this strategy, of this system thinking. Uh, this is an example of an industry of uh, wind power, the wind turbines, going into renewable energy sources using wind and obviously creating natural uh, or renewable energy as a result. It's a great intention, right? Well, when they built the blades of the turbines, they weren't thinking that at some point they're going to be replaced, whether it's better technologies or they break. And currently there isn't a large scale recycling application associated with those blades. So right now they're being buried in landfills. That needs the design and the systems change needs to start at the very beginning of the design phase conceptually about the product. What happens when we're done using it? That's not been the thinking to date. And this is an area as we approach projects, as we look at our supply chains, that design becomes a critical element at the very beginning of what truly do we want to accomplish here? What do we want our products to do once we're done using them? And looking at areas that we can maximize the value associated with it that's gonna be better for my business, my customers, and of course, the planet. A second example is design, is the water bottles. When there was a lot of uh, concern, it still is, about plastic, uh, the first approach was, well, let's just reduce the amount of plastic in our product. And then I'll go ahead and promote that we save 20% of plastic that we're no longer using. Well, what happens when you look at uh, light weighting is that the product no longer performs as desired. As you know, it becomes an accordion, even with the water inside. And in many ways, in this case, examples of no longer being useful within a recycling system. Uh, they're not capable of working with current technologies. So if you're thinking in small steps, if you're thinking of incremental changes, uh, we're not going to get the results we need, certainly to address the big problems that we referred to before. We really need to think about systemic changes to how we operate in our business. And here's where the reusable packaging system comes into play. We use that word system in the reusable packaging industry regularly because that's what we're striving to achieve. We're looking to build solid, durable, high-performing products in a system of reuse because that's where you can capture the most advantage and the economic opportunity associated with your supply chain. And it very much follows the same circular model, that there's no waste created. It truly becomes a zero-waste model when we're managing the materials, in this case products, uh, into a system of continuous use. And it's all designed that way. It's all in a system of high performance that we can utilize over and over again and use materials sparingly as far as replenishment of products uh, that we can continue to put into that system of reuse. My favorite example comes from the airport security line. We've all been there, drop our belongings into the reusable bin, it goes through the system. When we're done, they take it and remove it back into the front. Uh, this is probably the shortest loop I've ever seen associated with reusable packaging. Uh, now let's just take an example that this was all designed for single use. 
that say we had a corrugated box where we would drop our materials in, it goes through, and then afterwards, they take the box and throw part of it away because not everything is recycled, and they move most of it to a recycling facility offsite where they bring in as more single-use products at the very beginning of the security line. It's ridiculous, right? They would never do that. Well, why don't we take that same thinking towards the longer, more complex supply chains? If it's ridiculous here, because we see it, it's right in front of us, it can also be seen as wasteful or not efficient associated with longer term supply chains that we're sending our product and forget about. It's dealing with that packaging waste is someone else's problem. So this is where we need to start thinking and using just the uh, ideology associated with these examples of what we do well in life and how we can extend that to more opportunities in our supply chain of reusing materials, reusing packaging products. Well, here's where I want to go into specific areas of economic examples. Because when we look at sustainability and when we look at our day-to-day -day businesses, in many ways we're still in that silo approach. Well, how much is going to cost? What is going to be my capital outlay or expense this year? How is it going to hit my bottom line? And it's more of a comparative um, uh, exercise uh, you know, associated with how is this product going to work for me today in cost versus a single-use product, uh, for example. And this is all part about that transformation. We need to think differently. And what I present today are examples of how thinking differently is truly allowing us to tap into economic opportunity that's well beyond that individual focus on what does it do for me now. And this is where I want us to start looking at, at that, ah, there is opportunity here financially that we should be considering as part of the systems change. And if we don't transform into this area, we're actually losing out sustainably that the sustainability opportunity is not being taken advantage of by our company. One by one, let's talk about regenerative economics. And this very much similar is to the, the circular economy. You have to remember that when you see the word circular economy, it talks a lot about achieving zero waste, designing out waste, keeping material product at its highest value of all time, restoring natural ecosystems. Those are the three principles. This is not a sustainability model. This is an economic model. So when you see the words and the discussions around circular economy, realize that this is all about economic growth and opportunity. It's decoupling growth opportunity from material consumption. That's the economic breakthrough. So when you look at reuse as part of that inner loop activity in a circular economy, it's actually preferred. Much like we know the hierarchy of waste management starts with in source reduction of reduce and reuse before you get to recycling, which is a last resort activity. So if you're looking at your packaging products uh, and you're focusing on recyclability, you're focusing on recycled content, you're really not thinking broadly enough or strategic enough and transforming enough to really capitalize on the economic opportunities that the circular economy documents and what that's all about as far as driving growth with, uh, without having uh, continuous uh, material consumption. The second is environmental, social, and governance 
investing, ESG, and you're hearing more about this. Just last year, that the, one of the largest asset managers, BlackRock, said they are now using ESG metrics within their financial uh, evaluation of, of portfolios. They want to see that a company is looking at these aspects of their business for sustainable opportunity. Their investment portfolio is actually going to be looking and capitalizing on companies that are committed to this process, that they're not just using it as metrics, but they're looking at systems change associated with companies that are truly becoming more sustainable in all the different areas that we've discussed. This slide shows an example of the amount of growth just in a few years of that investment that's really targeting more sustainable companies and the opportunities associated uh, with that investment from a financial return standpoint. Well, capital returns is obviously very important as well because at the end of the day, when you're investing in a reusable system, you're deploying capital to be able to build that system of operations in addition to the actual products. Yes, in many cases, if you're building a pallet, if you're building a, a bin or a container that's durable, that's going to last, that has many features to it, it's likely going to cost more than a product that's designed for the lowest cost uh, purpose. So there is a capital expense that oftentimes serves as a hurdle. Well, again, looking at this transformatively, looking at this sustainably over time, you realize that there's an opportunity here financially associated with the return on that capital. The example that I offer here actually uses uh, a million issues or trips of a packaging over a, a period of a year. With a reusable packaging, right, the idea is that we can get it back for reuse. In this model, I use every other month it comes back and is set up for reuse. So technically, you can use um, a product six times a year. Well, then you don't need the full million uh, units, right? You need uh, a sixth of that, I guess, uh, associated with the, the movement and the fulfillment of that product over the course of the year. Uh, and so you come up with, I only need 166,000 reusable packaging products versus a million single-use products. Also in this model, I factored that every year you have to replenish a little bit of the pool because they either could get broken and we got to replace them, they could get lost. We find in our industry that we make really cool products. Sometimes people like to take them. We want them back. Uh, but it's the nature that we want to work together to be able to close those loops and allow for more opportunities for our investment to occur. So at the end of the day, when you look at the numbers, yes, the capital outlay may cost more up front. But what you ultimately see is that payback occurs in a short period of time. That in this model, by year three, you actually break even. And because you can continuously use those products you've already invested in, your return on investment pays back significantly. Now, this is a simplified model. There's a lot more to it. Yes, you do have to spend uh, transportation logistics costs to get that product back, but I would submit that you also have to spend transportation logistics costs for one-way products to get to the recycling exercise. But that's not factored in because guess what? Companies aren't paying that cost. It's being shifted down the supply chain to municipalities or companies have to handle that cost. So a lot of times you don't see that in the P&L. You're passing the buck. Well, we know that's changing because state governments even today are talking about extended producer responsibility programs that's going to charge that burden, that responsibility of packaging waste to the owner or producer of the packaging. 
still to be shaken out. Models like that occur even in the US, uh, but uh, Europe, they're very popular as well for packaging. So the economy is changing. Uh, this is an opportunity to look at financially how that capital can return for your benefit if you're indeed looking at uh, your sustainable profile for years to come and not just the performance for a single year. Let's talk about resource stability, and this is more appropriate uh, today more than ever as we see a lot of disruptions in the supply chain. Uh, these two lines represent the, the blue line is actually the cost of the uh, corrugated and single-use uh, corrugated boxes, for example. Uh, this is all indexed uh, to the, the government uh, uh, data that they have. The second line, the red line, actually shows the cost of the recycled corrugated product, for example. So you've got the, the uh, uh, corrugated box cost and then you've got the recycled material cost. And if you're in business and you're looking at this slide, this is not something that you want to stand behind. It's not consistent. It's not dependable. You're talking about raw material sources that you have to have every day to replenish your supply of single-use boxes, for example. Uh, this is not a model I'm interested in. It's disruptive. If you're not getting your source raw material, uh, you're not able to fulfill your orders. Well, if you already build your reusable packaging pool, you have those assets in your hands you can stabilize your transportation packaging. In fact, you can actually have it very consistent that your pricing is stabilized as well because you already have the asset. Now you're just working through the variability associated with working that pool of the asset in terms of its upfront transportation and reverse uh, logistics, for example. But you're not worrying about the day-to-day -day volatility in the commodity marketplace. Um, so this is a very sustainable business method as far as moving to something that has much less volatility associated with its production. And that is a reusable system in which the products have already been made and are designed to last a long time. Well, fifth is that notion of durability over disposability. And you're also hearing a lot of this at the consumer packaging level, is that we should be designing products with the durable feature-rich opportunity that's going to generate value and extend it down to the supply chain. Uh, this value could be strength and stability of a pallet unit load, allowing you to build taller loads, for example. It could be aesthetics. Uh, it could be something that in consumer packaging, for example, stainless steel Clorox wipes instead of the plastic. And the stainless steel actually looks so good you have it on top of your counter versus in the bottom of your counter. So this is offering value when you're building durability in the product. Um, you can pass that value and create new uh, benefits for your customers. Again, when you're looking at single use, the objective is lowest cost, lowest value, because you're never gonna get that back to reuse. So when you think differently and transformatively, you're looking at the projected value extension. That reuse extends the value where in many ways recycling diminishes the value because you're taking the product, putting it into its natural material state, if it's natural, uh, and ultimately trying to find a market to reuse that material. And of course, in many ways today, in the recycling industry, we're finding out more and more that that material that we thought was being recycled is not. Well, it does go back to systems thinking the approach, the strategic thinking behind how we're running our operations in our packaging. 
it, it does become to that full system as we talked earlier, the holistic sum of the parts that allow us to be able to achieve greater opportunities with our packaging and with our products and with our customers. That truly to have this interrelated connection of the supply chain, uh, we have an opportunity to do more with it. We uncover more, uh, we solve more problems. Uh, if you walk through your supply chain, how many of you have done that and realize, well, gosh, if I solve this, then that also creates another benefit here. Uh, and that thinking goes further and further in your supply chain. And it's all about looking at the system as a whole rather than stopping short and passing along. It requires the collaboration of that supply chain. And this is where you can surface so much opportunity through the economic of, of the system's thinking. And it truly is where you see that growth potential associated with circularity. And I touched on a little bit about the operational efficiencies. At the end of the day, when you're designing products for reuse and you're building them specifically to satisfy the whole system and you're providing features, you're, you're truly building something that's gonna give you more, more value opportunity in the supply chain. In uh, the way that we handle materials, for example, I mentioned taller loads, more stable loads. The picture in the middle there actually has uh, reusable plastic containers transporting fresh eggs. How many of us would actually stack these number of boxes on top of fresh eggs? You wouldn't do that in a single-use product. Here you can. It creates more warehouse distribution uh, efficiencies. We could put wheels and casters and make these mobile devices for more labor-friendly um, and more merchandising. Uh, and, uh, and also protect the product better, stronger, more durable, and lead to reduce shrink uh, in the marketplace. These are things that are all out there that when we're designing for durability in a system where we're getting those products back, we have a vested interest to be able to maximize that potential and those economic benefits uh, throughout the, the entire life and distribution of the products. Well, in short, what I wanted to communicate today is that truly sustainability in supply chains is much greater than the environmental footprint that when we're talking now about sustainability, it truly captures even more than just the economic and social, the governance. And 17 different uh, development objectives demonstrating that there's a lot more to sustainability than just looking at something that's going to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, uh, that's going to lower solid waste, reduce energy consumption. That's all great. We've got case studies to show how reusable systems impact that. But we all know here that our day-to-day -day decisions also have to make sure that their economic uh, potential is there and that there's prosperity associated with our company in being able to transform to a reusable packaging system. And that system truly needs to be transformative. As much as we transform the word sustainability over the last two decades, we need to look at how that also parallels to our systems change in our operations that the transformation of our business needs to match the transformation on what we're thinking and defining sustainability. And those truly become aligned to create the most benefit for your products and your supply chain. Reusable packaging systems offer that transformative change. That's something I'm really hoping to be able to demonstrate, certainly from the economic potential, uh, but when you look at the social aspects, ergonomic properties, worker health and safety considerations, durability, 
uh, working with machines and automation and robotics, having that precise specification of, of product, allows us to be able to look at how these systems and the devices and the machinery that we use in our material handling can achieve optimum performance that's good for the social aspects and creating jobs and new opportunities uh, with innovation. And finally, the economic growth, that the seven that I mentioned here. Uh, you know, I didn't really mention comparative price. What's well, going to cost me this, it's going to cost me that. Used it in the model to demonstrate what that long-term return of capital is. But there's so many economic benefits when you look at that systems change. When you reach out and actually go beyond the procurement side of our business, and you break out and see how these products are being used, how our customers are handling them, what's happening at their end of life, and where are those opportunities to be able to extend that value, retrieve it back in our business, and ultimately put it back into our financials uh, to make us a stronger, more prosperous, more sustainable company. This is what reusable packaging systems offer. In many cases in my business with the Reusable Packaging Association, I don't do a lot of compare and contrast. I did here to demonstrate from an economic viewpoint. But the reason is I view reusable packaging systems as a much different level or plane versus single-use packaging. One area I did not talk much about is technology and how the integration of technology from identification, from monitoring conditions, from tracing or tracking through the supply chain, creating visibility and transparency. That's a whole nother discussion and economic opportunity. You won't do that with single-use packaging that's designed to throw away. So that's another area where the enhancement of packaging, intelligent assets can be created to further drive economic benefits. So maybe there's another eight, a number eight that we can assign here as far as the economic benefits with technology. Really, the opportunities are abound with reusable packaging from an economic financial objective. Think bigger, think differently, think transformative beyond the environmental opportunities before us. Think about the economic benefits that can be driven with packaging designed in a reusable system. I appreciate your time today and the opportunity to talk about some of these big transformative systems change that we really need to start accelerating to meet some of those biggest challenges that we face here on the planet, but also within our businesses in meeting these new demands associated with our supply chains and customer satisfaction and fulfillment. Does anybody have any questions? Is there anything I can address or talk about with the presentation or anything else associated with reusable packaging? Let me get a... Yeah, I, I can repeat that. Uh, the question is, how is the government getting involved on the manufacturing side of products? Maybe from a legislative or regulatory uh, stance, for example, is that? Uh, actually, significantly, uh, more and more. There are several states uh, that are actually uh, leading the, the, the way, as I mentioned, with extended producer responsibility and the regulation of packaging. 
Uh, Maine, in particular, has uh, open initiative looking at EPR for packaging. California has been working on, uh, for many years now, on state uh, legislation that would actually regulate all things packaging and trying to shift single use into more reusable models, into more source reduction, uh, for example. Uh, in fact, there was a, a, a law that was just about up for vote on the last session in, in the California Assembly last year that did not make it through. But there's activity now of putting it on the ballot as a referendum in California for the November election. Um, so there's a lot of ways in which this is, is going. Um, you know, in addition to the government uh, being involved in trying to address uh, waste management, where many municipalities now are backing out of recycling because it's no longer affordable. Uh, trash and, and pollution continues to accelerate despite you know, 50 years of messaging of trying to be more earth friendly. Uh, the government will be stepping in. There's no other choice of being able to determine uh, you know, how uh, we should be managing waste. Uh, I think there are some bills introduced in Congress uh, about trying to improve the recycling uh, with new technology, new innovation. I'm for that. I think it's great. We need a more robust, healthy recycling industry. But again, that's incremental. If that's all we're trying to do is be better recycling, I've got 50 years of data that says we're not going to be very good at it right away. We've got to think more of that holistic systems change where there's true source reduction as a priority to how we're handling waste with recycling as that last resort once we're through looking at the reuse cycles, for example. Uh, I also know companies, I mentioned Unilever, are really doing some great work in trying to drive that change in their supply chain. In fact, in many ways, companies here in North America are actually doing more aggressively uh, than, uh, than the government is acting, certainly on the federal level. Um, so um, it's, it's hand in hand, we're seeing both, but uh, I just think that there's enough issues associated with uh, the government programs of waste management that's gonna require some level of change. Any other questions, um, items I can address? We've got one in the, the back. Thank you. <laughs> so the issue with single use is on everyone's mind, particularly in grocery. Um, what is your view on single use plastic and even going back to glass? I understand that there's some uh, move afoot that perhaps disposable would be replaced with reusable glass. Is, is there anything going on that you know of? I, I am actually on the consumer packaging level with glass, especially on bottles, beverage bottles. You're seeing a lot of companies come up with reusable bottle programs uh, that actually have that full system of management. Um, you know, plastic is interesting. It, it, it gets a, a black eye, of course, because when you've got uh, 8 million tons of plastic entering the oceans every year, there's a significant problem. From my perspective, though, is the problems less with the material and plastic as more to how we're managing the end of use of that material, uh, whatever it may be, is that we're, we're just stopping of disposal, becoming that throwaway society. And we need to look at models to close and capture that plastic and reuse it. That plastic could be a valuable material. Uh, and so, to me, it's about making sure that we're thinking systemically as far as uh, being able to capture that plastic back and put it into a functional, valuable purpose. Uh, there's no question, though, that a lot of work has cut out 
with plastic. That's where I think looking at recycling a plastic, while important, we're missing a bigger opportunity of recovery and reusing the products that we've made with plastic. That really where it should be our focus is. Other materials that can achieve uh, reuse is fantastic. Our organization actually is material neutral, uh, agnostic. I don't care if it's wood, aluminum, plastic, it doesn't matter because if the system's in place to recover it and extend the most value over a lifetime, that's the secret. Um, as long as the material is safe, right? Uh, that it, it is safe to use and handle uh, whatever it's made of. It could be a composite material, which we're seeing great advancements in material sciences. Uh, it, you know, if we can make sure that the system's there to recover it and put it back in use, that's the formula that we need to move forward. So it's not so much one material is better than another. Um, you know, there's many applications which properties could help with that. It's more of a function of what are we doing after it to be able to take responsibility, recover it, and put it back in that system of reuse. Well, thank you very much. Uh, our booth is right over on the corner if you have any questions or want to talk more. Um, I really appreciate you taking time again uh, this morning to come out and, and look at the reusable packaging systems, this transformative change that's so critical now uh, that we need to really accelerate in our business operations and how reusable packaging systems can serve and align with that change to provide economic value and opportunity for your businesses. Thank you so much.